I was at the Southern Fried Gaming Expo this weekend and had a great time getting to play more pinball. Plus, the Unity Game Engine is merging with a known malware delivery company. What? Tonight is July 17th, 2022, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so you would say, even uh, if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So, video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore, what would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. I didn't realize until I said that intro. I'm like, wow, I've been talking a lot this weekend. And then I went to a soccer match today, so my voice is a little shot. This is going to be fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to... Uh, it's episode 815, 815, but it's not a, a TV show with a lot of numbers that uh, did not know what it was doing in its first season uh, and still went on for five seasons. Anyway, uh, welcome to uh, yet another edition of The Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, uh, that's when we tape the show live each and every Sunday night at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Uh, come join us, and I'll be trying to read intelligent comments from chat throughout the night. Uh, but this is a podcast, uh, and I completely understand that. So we do have a Discord server. It's not a very uh, fast-moving one, so it's, an, it's a nice, chill Discord server. If you go to vognetwork.com slash Discord, you will get the invite into the server. Uh, and that's where people post things throughout the week. Uh, about things that they're doing, uh, news that they want to talk about. And a lot of times I will pull from uh, the text chat channel for this show the stuff that I'm going to talk about here, or I will put things in there so I remember that I want to talk about them uh, here on the show. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I I will also mention at the very beginning, uh, there is not going to be an Orange Lounge Radio tonight uh, due to uh, medical situations and, and illnesses. We hope that they will be back next week. When I am not here... Even though next Sunday is my uh, literally my 17-year anniversary of doing podcasts. Uh, July 24th, 2005 was the first episode that I did. That was episode one. Next Sunday would be literally the 17-year anniversary, and I'm not going to be here next weekend. So uh, we will celebrate it, I guess, the following week. But it, it's when, when you get to that much, uh, if it's not a nice round number... Uh, you, you usually, I, I just stop celebrating it. So yes, it's cool that I've been doing it for 17, 17 years. Uh, and, and I am thrilled that there are a lot of people here that have been here for most of those 17 years. Hey, so I'm going to break in here. This is a couple days later when I'm editing the podcast. And I just want to mention right here, uh, that everything I talk about not being here that week, uh, is going to be false due to, uh, COVID in the family. We were going to visit some family. There's no point in uh, visiting someone who's in quarantine. So we have moved that trip uh, and me being out of town to the following week. So yes, on July 24th, no matter how many more times I reference it in the podcast I recorded on Sunday, uh, there will be a show. We will celebrate our 17 years on July 24th. It will actually be the July 31st episode where there will not be a live show. We just took our trip and moved it one more week to comply with quarantine regulations and uh, everybody should be fine. We should all be fine by then. 
Uh, but also, if this is your first time in, welcome. Because I was at the Southern Fried Gaming Expo this weekend, and I met a lot of uh, a lot of neat people there that came to some of our panels. Uh, I did uh, two panels, and I'll talk about the second one in, at the end of uh, what I'm going to show. Uh, but the first panel I did, uh, which we might have gotten some uh, some new viewers tonight from that, I do know we got some new follows over the weekend from it, uh, was about meeting local Twitch streamers, uh, or ask a, a local Twitch streamer, or just talking about Twitch. Uh, and I did that with uh, Phaedra Black, uh, PB Undesirables, and an Eternal Enigma. And uh, we chatted about streaming on Twitch, about you know what equipment we had, uh, what makes us want to stream, what makes us keep streaming, uh, and things like that. And it was a lot of fun uh, to be on that panel. Uh, I keep marketing it wrong, uh, so we didn't get that full of a house. So I probably am not going to be doing that. I, I will not be running that panel Again, probably at Southern Fried Gaming Expo, unfortunately. Uh, I've now tried to run it like three times, and it hasn't gone as well as I had hoped. Uh, and also, uh, I, I will also say that the local Twitch community here in Atlanta is very apathetic about the Southern Fried Gaming Expo. I guess it's just it's not big enough, or it's not esports enough, uh, or it's not enough about like Call of Duty or Valorant or uh, League of Legends or or anything like that. Uh, and so they're they're actually very apathetic, and most of the local Twitch streamers really didn't want to come uh and so that kind of makes it hard for me to pull in twitch streamers because all the ones i know locally are would rather go do something else this weekend than go to a, a gaming convention in their backyard but anyway the other panel went really well i'll talk about that in a, uh in a little bit but i first uh want to do what i usually do is i i show you some video of what the convention looked like now i will first say uh if you are um i will say that there were no health mandates uh, from the venue or the city or the convention. So you're going to see it may actually look like what things used to look like in 2019 and before. And so I'm just going to warn you right now, you're going to see that. Uh, and uh, hopefully it, you know, doesn't negatively affect uh, the people who attended. Uh, but uh, you're you're going to see that it's it's going to look like it looked like in 2019. And that, that, that may uh, surprise you. Uh, but also remember that we're in Georgia. So... Welcome to the Southern Fried Gaming Expo. Uh, it's in the same hotel that it's been for a while, and apparently Miss Marvel was filmed in this hotel. Somebody had told me. Uh, so uh, I haven't watched all of Miss Marvel yet, but apparently this was the hotel it was filmed in. Uh, it's also the same hotel uh, that uh, that uh, that Anime Week in Atlanta takes place in. Once again, Vo Voice of Geeks Network, we were a sponsor. Uh, the Artemis Room, uh, this was actually taken like at the beginning of the convention, so nobody was actually playing yet. They were still setting up. Uh, but Artemis is the spaceship simulator. It's like Star Trek. Uh, it's, if you play Star Trek Bridge Crew, that's the AAA version they ripped off of Artemis, uh, but but it's, Artemis came first. And yes, yeah, so we were uh, very happy uh, to be one of the sponsors once again of this convention. We've actually been a sponsor every year, and this is the ninth year of the convention. So they, uh, it, it, you're going to see, I'm going to walk down all the aisle, and I, I don't really stop on many of these because it's kind of interesting. After coming to this convention almost, for every year, so out of the nine years... Um, I'm kind of used to it now, and so when I go in there, I'm like, huh, it doesn't seem like there was this much pinball, which there was. It's just I had seen all of this before because all of these pinball machines you're seeing and all of the arcade cabinets you're going to see are from people's personal collections. They bring them out of their house, their basement, uh, or, or whatever room they keep their pinball machines in, uh, and they bring them here. So you see a lot of the same things, like that Super Mario Brothers pinball machine, that which was actually the first time Charles Martinet ever voiced Mario, was for that pinball table. That was there last year. 
uh, and it was the same one, and it was the same person who brought it. And so I got to play it again. I'm like, I remember this from last year. Now, this, there was a guy right here. He's working on it here. I came back to this later. This is a prototype machine, but it's a League of Legends pinball. Uh, and it's somebody's just building a a pinball table based on League of Legends, and it's it's in the middle of being uh, created. It didn't actually work. It said press start, but the start button didn't work, and the flippers were kind of off a little bit. But you can kind of see it's like just a lot of plastic ramps and stuff, uh, not actually painted, not finished or anything like that. Um, so uh, that that was kind of cool to always see. Uh, the there was there's usually at least one prototype machine at Southern Fried Gaming Expo in the past. I've seen a Spaceballs one. I've seen a Legend of Zelda one where somebody's actually like building it and just coding it all themselves uh, in their spare time. But there were a lot more arcade machines than I'm used to uh, as well, which may maybe just because I'm just so desensitized to the size of Southern Fried Gaming Expo. Uh, you know, it, it seemed like there was more arcade than pinball now, which arcade machines are a little bit easier to transport. Uh, so I can kind of uh, completely understand that. There were some skill games, too, that some people brought. Uh, I, there was no, like, ticket ticket redemption or anything, but they, they had some ticket spinners, which was kind of neat. Uh and also, uh, Spooky Pinball did show up. Uh, they make they make tables. They made uh, they've got Halloween here, and then they also have the Ultraman table, which they were showing off. I think they were showing off both of these last year uh, because they had just announced them last year. And I think now that they are out, uh, they were they were showing them here again. I didn't I didn't like playing on these all that much. I did try them, uh, but I didn't I didn't like the layout all that much. Dark Tizia says, "Ooh, I dig the retro row of classics. This entire thing is classics." Uh, mo- the majority of the convention is classics. Like, there's classic pinball from the 70s and the 80s. And I know that this is going to be asked, So because you probably noticed this is in a big convention hall. Uh, there are with hardwood floors, and you're probably wondering, how does it sound? That's how loud it was. So, yes, it is very loud in there. Uh, if, you know, there, there were people that couldn't spend too much time in there just because it is very loud. Uh, because there's no carpet, there's no dampening. Uh, at least there was no Jenga. They did not have any Jenga because there is nothing louder. There is no louder sound in the universe than Jenga blocks falling in the middle of a, a convention center this huge. And it doesn't help that this convention center, uh, this this very specific one that they're in, the Cobb Galleria, uh, it has very, very high ceilings, higher than you'd normally find in a convention center. And there's an interesting story about that, why that is. Uh, it's because when this was built was in the early 90s, and Atlanta was hosting the 1996 Olympics. Uh, and this convention center was supposed to be where the Olympic volleyball was going to, uh, the indoor volleyball. This is where it was supposed to be. So they built it to Olympic guidelines. Uh, but then Cobb County passed a resolution uh, saying that homosexuality is a sin, and the Olympics decided that they weren't going to play it here. They were going to go play it at the University of Georgia. So it was the first time out of two times that Cobb County lost on a major sporting event uh, because of political decisions uh, of, of the leaders. So they did also have a bunch of arcade uh, sit-down arcade cabinets that had the fighting games. They they did run uh, fighting game tournaments. I don't think I actually got any video of uh, the the classic console room. I don't think I actually walked in there. Uh, but they had a bunch of turn. They had a lot of tournaments in there uh, of both fighting game and retro game variety. There and they even streamed them on Twitch as well. Uh, so, but people could come in here and play. Uh, they, they also had like Ikaruga. I don't know. I don't think that was actually Ikaruga, but it's one of the the, the shoot 'em ups there uh but 
it was a lot of it was neat to see a lot of these games that I don't get to see a lot because I don't go into a round one. Uh, there was there's a crazy taxi right there. I did I don't know if offspring offspring was playing or not, but it was fun to see it. And there's this game is that tank 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 I think is what it's called. I I didn't get to, a chance to play that one, uh, but it was kind of neat to see some of the games that are like more modern uh, that you find in modern arcades because I don't go into modern arcades all that much because it's mostly ticket spinners. Uh, Bubble Mouse, who I believe is from Southern Fried Gaming Expo, or, or was there uh, with us, said, uh, yes, there was Jenga in front of the classic video game room, and when it fell, it was indeed super loud. It, just imagine it in this room with the hardwood floors. Uh, Mike Def says, Arcade Tetris. Yeah, they had uh, an Arcade Tetris. They they had a lot of the arcade stuff that, uh, that, that we remember from the early days. They actually have a whole row of, like, Mario arcade games and i think we're actually getting to it soon because the giant inflatable mario is coming up here and uh but they had a lot of the nintendo games there did you know also uh and i didn't stop on this one to play it uh but uh coming up here uh i believe it i don't know if it may not be in this row uh but they actually have an arcade version of top gun the nes game top gun and i was like oh okay that's interesting uh that i had never seen before Unfortunately, I didn't get... There it is. There's the Top Gun right there. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to play a lot of those because I, I didn't want to stand in line too long. I'm, I'm that person where I'm like, if I can't just walk up to it and play it. Uh, Tiger says, hopefully you can land in it. Probably not. I can't. You might be able to. Somebody else might be able to. I probably can't. Uh, so they did have... They did not have the Weird Al table. None of the P3 uh, multimorphic tables were here. Uh, but the new table from Jersey Jack Pinball was there, which is Toy Story 4. It was just announced last month. They had three of those there. I actually have a close-up shot of it a little bit later on. I did get to play that, and uh, we had, we did wait in line for a while for that because we were behind a family of three, and then on one of the other tables was somebody who was a pinball wizard uh, and just basically played for a while. And we wound up getting on the table that uh, they had it set. You got four balls instead of three. And so uh, we got to play a little bit longer, and the line was super long behind us, and I kind of felt bad about that. Uh, Mike Def points out Bucky O'Hare, and Bubble Mouse says, yes, we met at the second panel. Great to hear you on stream. Yes, well, welcome. Thank you so much for checking this out. We actually are going to have a little bit of footage from that panel at the very end, so you can watch a little bit of it again. So now we're in the back back corner, uh, which they they put a lot of the seven... They did a good job of like kind of interspersing everything, but a lot of the, like the very early pinball tables from the 60s and the 70s were over here in this corner. And then every once in a while, you'd find something from the 90s, like the NASCAR table over here. Uh, but but you could go through and, and play all eras of pinball, which is one of the neat things about uh, the Southern Fried Gaming Expo. And it's very uh, it's very family friendly in terms of, you know, exposing kids to pinball. Uh, because a lot of a lot of kids these days usually aren't exposed to pinball unless they're coming to something like this because most arcades don't have pinball anymore. So we are continuing to go through on this. The Stargate one we tried to play, but we kept get, the ball kept getting stuck, uh, and we couldn't get it out. So that would happen a lot. A lot, a lot of these machines, especially if they're not used to being played constantly like they are, uh, because they're, they're home machines, so they're not played constantly. Then they get to something like this where they're getting played constantly for an entire weekend, and the machines probably can't handle it too well. Fifth Dream says, Stuckgate. Yes, that is absolutely correct. Thank you. 
So that was the ice, the ice, the root beer, ice, ice cream beer. I don't know the the, the beer game with the little the holes and stuff that I've never really understood. Uh, that was there. Now we're getting to some of the uh, like the bars and uh, the, the the arcades that are now coming up, uh, coming around in the area. Uh, there's one in uh, Woodstock, Georgia, which I haven't been to. I think it's called the Blue Ghost Arcade. Uh, and then, but, and they brought a stranger things. So this is the stranger things table and they actually put it in a little tent and the stranger things table is neat. If you've never seen it is they've got the, the, I've never watched stranger things, but like the main enemy is like behind this big, uh, drive through, uh, screen and comes out. And then the projector screen comes back up when you're no longer facing against the big enemy. So, uh, and then also Marco's pinball and classic game rooms, uh, which are distributors of pinball, uh, tables and arcade and accessories and stuff. They were showing off some of their tables that they are show, uh, selling. That is a Mandalorian limited edition. I only have the premium. That's limited edition with that that box art. This one is cool. You're going to see this pink thing right there. That is Discs of Tron. It is a custom Discs of Tron uh, that, that they had made. This was from the Bells and Chimes group. B-E-L-L-E-S and Chimes. It's a women's uh, pinball and arcade group. Uh, but this is looks like it's a custom built uh, discs of Tron. It's pink all around for you, those of you on the podcast audience. Uh, and they added some different lights to it. Uh, but it is absolutely it's a projector screen, so they've got the matte painting in the back. Back, but then like if you look, it's like a cell phone that they're just mirroring up, and that's how it actually works. Uh, so they've got like this little tiny cell phone, and it's just projecting and mirroring up on the glass to give that 3D effect. Uh, so I really like this cabinet. It, it really looked cool. It was a very interesting way of doing Discs of Tron. And uh, yes, I did school all my friends, even though I'm not very good at it. But having that arcade one up, I actually got to try a little bit. And then we got to the current game. So they actually were able to work with the Stern Insider Connected. So in the past, if you see me talk about uh, on the show, the Insider Connected, where people would you know hold up their phones to a little QR code scanner, they actually had that here. And uh, if you had an account, you could get on the leaderboards. So it actually kept up with the leaderboards. Uh, you would scan your code, and if you had a high score, which I did not get anywhere near any of these scores, on any of the machines they were showing, you would uh, get on the leaderboard, and I guess, I don't know if you're, they were giving out prizes, I'm sure there were, uh, but you could still get achievements on your account, it actually said you were at Southern Fried Gaming Expo, uh, so that that was kind of a neat feature of, Stern, of the Insider Connected that I hadn't uh, seen before, and um, these are the Rush tables, uh, no, no limited editions, so... Uh, these are not the ones that I have, but they had a couple premiums, a couple pros, but I had not actually used any more of the insider connected, uh, than just the home stuff, but I was able to get some achievements on Godzilla and some achievements on Deadpool, which were the two tables I don't own. Uh, and I was able to get those here. And so that was, that was fun. That, that was nice to be able to use it uh, for something extra than what I just have. So this is Toy Story 4, and it actually has a little video pinball screen uh, in the top left corner that you can hit. Uh, I was not good enough to hit it, but my wife, who's playing right now, she was able to get it. She, she beat me on this table, so I never want that table. I'm never going to get Toy Story 4. My wife can beat me in it, and we don't want that. Also at the Southern Fried Gaming Expo was the Vintage Computer Festival. I used to exhibit at this, actually. Uh, but now that it's at Southern Fried Gaming Expo, I can't commit to staying in this room for the whole time. But you can see a lot of old piece, uh, old PCs. They had a lot of Commodore stuff. There was a Commodore 64 YouTube channel uh, out, out front that was showing off stuff that they were still developing for the Commodore 64. Uh, but you got to see a lot of old computers. They had uh, some Doom Deathmatch using the old way that we used to land 
which is not as easy as it is nowadays. Um, so this was kind of fun to walk through. Not as well attended as past uh, uh, vintage computer festivals when it was its own separate event. I don't know if the fact that it's kind of coupled in with uh, a pinball convention, I don't know if that's scaring people away. Uh, because the timing is the same. It's at, it's at the same time it usually is. Uh, but but it seems like it's it's less attended. And I, like, I know I'm not exhibiting at it, which I used to exhibit all the time uh, at this event. But since it's now here at Southern Fried, I, I, I don't have time to exhibit. Questbuster says that Toy Story table looks great. It looks great. It's just my wife beat me at it, so I don't want it. Bubble Mouse says, it was my first year at Southern Fried Gaming Expo. I was surprised at how readily available parts for pinball machines were. I didn't realize how big and supported the community was within itself. Yes, and it, it basically had to self-organize because it has to. It had to. Uh, because people still wanted these old machines. And so they had to learn how to make those parts themselves. They have to, uh, you know, sculpt those themselves. And th so they've had to... Uh, and some people see it as a money-making opportunity because they may have the capabilities to make a new ramp for an old machine that's in the 80s, so they make it and sell it on a forum like Pinside.com. Uh, or you may have to learn how to manufacture parts yourself. If you have the Doctor Who table, for instance, the 1992 Doctor Who, that play field is uh, – it, it, it's a bitch. Uh, it's, it's, it's not easy to deal with, that play field, uh, because it's a, it's a three-stage play field, and, and it's – it it's it wasn't very well made in the beginning, and so when it breaks, like you may, you kind of have to like manufacture the entire thing yourself. Questbuster says rotary dial phones are now museum pieces. All phones that connected to a landline are museum pieces. All of them. Bond Sub Six says no iMac. Uh, no, I didn't. I there usually was like a Mac people that showed up to the Vintage Computer Festival, and they didn't show up for this one. Uh, they also had a whole bunch of tabletop games. Uh, you could They had a tabletop gaming library, so you could go and uh, play games. That was open 24-7. The arcade closed at midnight because the Cobb Galleria forced you to. Uh, then there was a bunch of indie games, indie video games being, uh, being made by Atlanta Area Studios. A lot of these have not come out. A lot of these I have seen for years, uh, and they are still not coming out yet. And so that's why you're probably going to – I walked through this area. Uh, and uh, I don't stop to talk to anybody because I'd rather not uh, concentrate on any of these until they're coming out uh, because I don't want to waste your time uh, because I've done that before where uh, there was a game at, at a previous indie game event that I showed that was like a cross of synchronized swimming and beat mania. It was synchronized swimming. Uh, it was a visual novel, but it was a rhythm game, and everybody here went crazy for it. And uh, because that's right up all of our alley here at, at the Voice Geeks Network and all, all the listeners. Uh, but it was a student project. They weren't ever planning on actually releasing it. And so, like, I, you know, didn't. Uh, so I, I wasted everybody's time. That game's never coming out. They're never finishing it. So this was the second panel that I did. And uh, the second panel I did is uh, it's a speed running. So I do now I now do stuff with games done quick, which means I'm uh, speed run adjacent. Uh, and so I did a panel with, uh, I guess we're friends now. I hope we're friends now. I don't know. Uh, but an eternal enigma who is uh, based here in Georgia, he ran silent Hill for the room at summer games done quick, uh, this past, a uh, couple weeks ago. And, uh, I convinced him that he wanted to do it again on stage at the Southern fried gaming expo. We turned all the lights off. Uh, but he's, he's there. I promise. I promise you, you can see him over there. Uh, but we actually did an entire panel of silent Hill for the room. Uh, he did the entire speedrun, but we actually spent time explaining speedrun concepts. 
Uh, and so I, I'm going to turn it up just a little bit. Oh, 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 oh. oh. I must return. Ah! All right, here we go. Wait, hit it with the torch real quick. All right, sorry about that. And so he didn't, he's also never performed it in front of an audience like this. He's performed it on SGDQ. But most of the times when he's done this, he's done it on stream. So he doesn't, he's not used to the audience reaction. Um, and Mike Def says, Bobby Black will speedrunning connoisseur. Yes. Yes. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I will say that I've, I only just got home. There was a soccer match today that I went to. So I only got home like an hour ago or an hour and a half ago. Uh, but it does look like the video here that I took came out fine enough. Uh, so this entire hour and a half panel uh, that we did here uh, should be up on YouTube at some point this week uh, because uh, some people were asking if this was being streamed and Southern Fried Gaming Expo doesn't stream their panels. Uh, they're not big enough yet to be able to do that. Uh, so uh, they're but I, I did film it uh, from kind of like one of the corners. We zoomed in once the, all the lights went off. Uh, and so this should be up so you could see, uh, so, so maybe if you don't know all the speed running concepts, you've listened to me, but you don't know all the terms, we kind of start from ground zero for a lot of things, uh, and kind of explain things more than we would in like a GDQ setting where we assume everybody knows speed running. And then at the end, I actually do, uh... I actually do a speed run, which I've done here on the show before. Uh, if you remember, like right after AGDQ in January, uh, I did a speed run of uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past because it's super simple and it takes less than four minutes. And it's a great party trick. It's a super simple glitch, but it's a party trick uh, as well. And uh, because I wanted to say, hey, anybody can be a speed runner. And I actually do it live on stage. That's also going to be in the video. Uh, my first public performance of a speed run. And now I can retire on top. Um so yeah, so this this it was a lot of fun working with Enigma. Uh, hopefully, we will be able to work together again. Uh, he's very interested in doing like Dragon Con, uh, which is not going to happen this year. Dragon Con's pretty much already set their schedule for everything. But uh, you know, maybe in the future we'll start doing some more speed run sessions uh, and stuff at uh, at other conventions. So uh, if you uh, if you are here uh, from that, if you are lurking uh, here. Uh, I know Bubble Mouse is in chat, who was also who was in that panel uh, in the audience, and so thank you so much for checking me out. After that, uh, I'm glad I didn't scare you away too much. But uh, uh, if you if you're just lurking, thank you so much for checking me out, um, and uh, and check out an Enigma stream as well if you don't know Enigma and and Eternal Enigma. So uh, yeah, and uh, somebody had asked is uh, or or uh, Bonds 006 was Oregon Trail uh, was the Oregon Trail game there. Um, I don't think anybody was running the video game version of the Oregon Trail, but the Oregon Trail card game is, uh, was in the board game area. Uh, and, um, I will say that I do have the Oregon Trail card game myself. Uh, one of my wife's coworkers, uh, get, gifted it to us. And then we played it once and realized why they gifted it to us because it's not that good of a card game. Uh, so, uh, do not get the Oregon trail card game. You're going to see it at like, I think target has it on the board game shelf. Uh, don't get it. It's not good. I'm sorry to say. Dark Sakura says, I picked up the card game at a thrift store in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, it paid 50 cents. It's, um, uh, you might've overpaid for it. If you only paid 50 cents for it, you might've still overpaid. Uh, and bonds 006 says, has anyone done a speed run of Oregon trail? I, you can speed run anything. Uh, because in the the thing about speedrunning is you can make up whatever category you want. 
uh, whereas any percent is the one any people think of, which is you beat the game in any way possible. Uh, but there are speed runs of like Nintendogs, which is how quickly can you get all gold medals on the beginner training courses? Uh, because you can't beat Nintendogs, but you can time how long it takes to get that. So I'm sure that there are uh, speed runs of Oregon Trail. So uh, Southern Fried Gaming Expo, it's a lot of fun. Uh, if you are into arcade and pinball and, uh, and gaming in general, really, it's my favorite show. It's, it's small-ish. It's only got, you know, it, it only gets a couple thousand people, which is bigger than some other conventions, but me- very much smaller than, than many others you think of. This is not the size of a PAX. This is not the size of a Dragon Con. This is not even the size of a MAGFest. MAGFest is super, way bigger uh, than this is, but... That means it's kind of nice and chill and cozy, uh, and uh, you know there, there's still a lot of people there, but it's it's not overwhelming, or at least it's not overwhelming to me. Your mileage may di- uh, vary, your mileage may differ, um, but uh, it, it is my favorite convention. I look forward to being there next year, and hopefully, Voice of Geeks Network will be sponsoring it once again next year. So uh, you can uh, you can come see me there, and uh, maybe we'll be doing some other stuff in there. Bubba Mouse says that it's a very comfy size, though. Panels and events are well run, and the lines are not crazy long. Yeah. You're not going to find lines out the door for a lot of the panels. Uh, they, now, I, I didn't actually talk about the guests, the special guests that were there. Uh, and I also didn't show them because a lot of times, like, I, I kind of feel weird. Because I, I essentially what I was doing for the people on the podcast feed is I had actually, like, video running when I was talking about all that. The video's done, so now you're looking at me again. But I had video running. Uh, where I was just walking through the convention, but I did not take any video of the special guests because I feel kind of weird about that because they charge for that. Uh, and, and, you know, that this is how they make their money nowadays. Uh, so I didn't do that. Uh, but they did have uh, Warren Davis, who was uh, one of the creators of Qbert. So I did get to talk to him a little bit, and I actually got a uh, – I wonder if I can get to it. I did actually, you know, get, get a signed card from him, uh, and it's right here. So I, I got a, a signed card from Warren Davis because uh, we talked to him for a little bit. And so I'm like, I should, you know, give him five bucks because, you know, this is part of how he makes his money is, is doing this stuff. And I completely understand that. And, you know, people should get paid for their work. So uh, but he was there. Um, and uh, Tim, I, I, I'm going to get the name wrong, but Tim Kurtzrow or something like your Kitzrow, uh, he is the, the boom shakalaka guy from NBA Jam. Uh, he was also in Mutant Football League, one of the announcers in that, and he's done a whole bunch of other stuff that needs a very bombastic voice. And the entire weekend, he was yelling in the NBA Jam voice. Uh, you could hear it all the way across. And uh, all the way across anything. Like, and we're like, oh, yep, Tim, Tim's going, go, going on again. Uh, and I was like, at the beginning, I was like, man, it'd be cool to get a bumper from him. And then I looked, and I'm like, he charges $30 to do, like, a can- and he put cameo in quotes, but a cameo video, which is probably you pay him 30 bucks and then he will, you know, speak into your video camera and do a, do a thing with you, Cause, which I did see him do with other people. And I'm like, I don't know if I need uh, the NBA Jam guy to do a bumper for the show that badly. Uh, so I didn't. There was also uh, one of the voice actors from Street Fighter, the Street Fighter games. Uh, and he was there very sparingly, so I don't remember which character he was. I just saw it was there, and I was like, oh, I'll check that out later, and then he, like, never went back to that table. Uh, but they, that was kind of cool. They had a couple voice actors from, from classic games. Yeah, and DJ Rama S says, typically when I'm, uh, thankfully when I'm press at conventions, I can get voice bumpers for free. Uh, technically, I was press. I have a media badge, but, um, uh, 
people confuse me for an extrovert. And I, I will also mention that I got yelled at by a voice actor when I was press at a convention. Uh, I got yelled at by a voice actor for insinuate, daring to insinuate that they would be willing to do a bumper for my podcast. Um, he, he was like, you're going to have to talk to my agent. It's going to be a couple hundred dollars. And I'm like, all right, then I apologize for 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 offending you because uh, like he was super offended that I would even ask. Uh, and, and so uh, since that happened, I am extremely skittish of asking voice actors to do a bumper. And so I, you probably, if you've watched the show, you know that I got like Robbie Damon and Max Middleman to do a bumper. I was able to do that because I moderated their panel. And so that was kind of a, Hey, you know, thank you. You know, let, let's do this. And also I did not ask them to do it in any of the voices. Uh, that's, I think the other key is that I did not have them do it in a voice. Uh, I basically had them say, hey, I'm, you know, Robbie Damon and I'm this and this and this and this. And, you know, um, but that took a lot of guts for me because, remember, I've been yelled at by voice actors for doing this as well. And uh, Bubble Mouse says, I'm sorry you went through that. It was a, it was a while ago. Yeah. And I, I don't necessarily need to, to name names, but it was um, George C. Lowe, the voice of Space Ghost. Anyway, uh, Zen Monkey 11 says, I pay him 100 bucks to follow me around for two hours yelling NBA Jam stuff whenever I do something. The, Tim actually had like this microphone that amplified his voice. It actually did the reverb that he has in NBA Jam. And so he would yell into the mic and it would come out as the reverb that he has from NBA Jam. And he could do other voice modulation, like kind of like what I can do. He even has like the same baby voice. Like he, he had his microphone. He could, he could talk like this. And- you know, he was doing that. Um, same thing I can do with my Go XLR. He had it inside his microphone. Uh, so it was kind of fun. Like he, he's funny. Uh, and, uh, you know, but he, he definitely uses his voice. So he, I'm sure he's more hoarse than I am right now. So Southern Fried Gaming Expo, a lot of fun. If you are in the Atlanta area, be sure to check it out next year. Next year is going to be their 10th, 10th anniversary. Uh, so uh, they're planning on big things in their 10th anniversary. Uh, so uh, maybe uh, think about coming out. Next, it'll probably be next July. They haven't announced the dates yet, but it's probably going to be in July. Uh, and uh, the big things are going to be afoot in their tenth year. Uh, they have uh, they've had a little bit of growing pains, but those were in the past. And I think they're they're doing a really wonderful job right now. Let's get to the news real quick because there was one news story that I wanted to talk about before we go into our uh, music break in a little bit. Uh, Unity Game Engine. Uh, so uh, on the if you're new to the podcast, I talk about the. Uh, I'll talk about the gaming industry and like gaming technology as well as the games themselves and things like that. Uh, and I've actually done work in the Unity game engine before for for some of the business software I do when I need to do it in VR. I prefer the Unity game engine, and now I've got to rethink that. Uh, PC Gamer reports that Unity, the company behind the multi-platform game engine of the same name, announced it as entering an agreement to merge with Iron Source. Uh, if you don't know Iron Source, the statement says, quote, they bring a proven record of helping creators focus on what creators do best, bringing great apps and user experience to life while enabling business expansion in the app economy, unquote. So Iron Source is well known for another reason. Now, I don't re- I didn't remember this, but apparently if you know the right things, you know that this is not a good thing. It developed InstallCore, a wrapper for bundling software installations. If you search for a popular program and seen a link to a third-party site with a URL that ended in something like downloadb.net or hdownload.net, it may have very well been InstallCore. If you made the mistake 
of downloading it, you'd be offered the kind of extras with generic names like RegClean Pro and Driver Support. An unsophisticated user might click on OK on, which is how you end up with a PC full of toolbars and junk that's as slow as your parents'. Install Core was obnoxious enough. Windows Defender will stop it running and malware bites too. So it is known malware that even Microsoft says you shouldn't have. As documented by Microsoft's chief econ- uh, economist for web experience, strategy, and policy, Ben Edelman, InstallCore was also behind a fake installer for a Windows version of Snapchat, a program that's only ever been available on mobile. It would instead install Android emulator BlueStacks as well as the usual injection of adware. Game developers who use Unity are less than thrilled about the merger. Uh, Andrea Gaeta, who runs the game porting studio Spoiled Cat, tweeted that, quote, a game engine is the thing that you use to build and distribute games to devices. The vendors of those devices, like Apple, need to trust that the engine is not bundling bad things along with the game. Merging with a company that specializes in bundling malware is WTF, unquote. Or as Maddie Thompson of Celeste fame succinctly put it, man, Unity, unquote. In 2015, IronSource merged with Supersonic, developer of an in-app purchase platform, and pivoted from InstallCore to in-game ads. At the start of 2022, it acquired TapJoy, another specialist in mobile advertising and monetizing apps. This is the area Unity is looking to expand the stake in as it plans on, quote, harnessing the company's tools, platform, technology, and talent to form an end-to-end platform that enables creators to more easily create, publish, run, monetize, and grow live games and real-time 3D content seamlessly, unquote. Uh, So uh, Unity already has the Unity Ads, uh, which is, quote, our monetization solution for mobile games that enables game developers to monetize their entire player base, unquote. But obviously there are benefits to combining that with Iron Source. They say, quote, Unity and Iron Source's complementary data and product capabilities will give creators access to better funding for user acquisition and monetization to successfully scale their games and accelerate their economic performance, unquote. Fifth Dream says the biz speak. Yes, there's a word salad. There's a mission statement, all that stuff. Questbuster says uh, Unity has had a post a rough post IPO era. Yes, they have. The Wall Street Journal reports the Unity has agreed to pay four point four billion dollars. That's bill B billion with a B as in Bobby Blackwolf billions that I don't have, for Iron Source. It's the latest in a string of partnerships and acquisitions for Unity that include buying VFX Studio Weta Digital for $1.6 billion, and just two weeks ago, it laid off hundreds of employees. Uh, they did that to, quote, realign some of our resources. So they laid off people and then spent $4.4 billion buying a malware company. Uh, Bonds 006 says, sounds like they should talk to Activision. No, they, they did one better. Uh, Unity's CEO is John Riccatello, the former CEO of EA. So they didn't need to talk to Activision. They just needed to talk to EA. Questbuster says, as part of the ad backdrop, Unity is working on an app to help pinpoint audiences with ads that hasn't worked out as well as they hope. So... And and Bombs Double Six says they got their hands in Weta Digital. Ouch! And and I I can see that like the Weta Digital, uh, the Weta stuff, it would help the the game engine because they can probably bring some of those technologies that Weta, Weta uses to the game engine. That makes sense. It helps the game. Uh, but the monetization 
Uh, because remember, to, to them, you're just uh, a, a commodity. Uh, that's what they're trying to bring. Now, that's actually the key as to why they are doing this. Um, so I didn't actually talk about this previously when it originally happened, but there is currently a class action lawsuit against Unity because Unity is a publicly traded company. And one of the things that I have told you in the past about publicly traded companies in the United States is that it is literally illegal for a publicly traded company to not act in the best interest of their shareholders, period. They cannot do anything that detracts from the shareholders, and that includes giving raises to your workforce, because if you give too much raises to your workforce and that lowers the amount of profit, that negatively impacts the shareholders, and they will sue, ask American Airlines, or it was either American or United Airlines, but it was a couple of years ago, it was pre-pandemic, but a couple of years ago, they gave a raise to like all of their pilots and got sued and lost to their shareholders because they made just such a profit, they gave people raises instead of giving it back to the investors who uh, invested their money. So there is a class action lawsuit from the Portnoy Law Firm. Uh, They are advising investors that a class action has been filed on behalf of the investors. Unity investors that lost money on their investment are encouraged to contact them. Um, They have some legal rights that they can discuss with this law firm. On May 10th, 2022, after the market closed, Unity announced the first quarter 2022 financial results. The company also reduced its fiscal 2022 guidance due to challenges with monetization products. Specifically, quote, a fault in Unity's platform resulted in reduced accuracy for its audience pinpointer tool, a revenue expansive issue given the pit that the pinpointer tool experienced significant growth during uh, post the IDFA changes, unquote. On this news, Unity stock fell $17.83 or 37% to close at $30.30 per share on May 11th, 2022, thereby injuring investors. Injuring. The complaint filed uh, in this class action alleges that throughout the class period, defendants made materially false and or misleading statements as well as failed to disclose material adverse facts about the company's business, uh, company's business operations and prospects. Specifically, defendants failed to disclose to investors that one deficiencies in Unity's product platform reduced the accuracy of the company's machine learning technology Two. The uh, foregoing was likely to have a material negative impact on the company's revenue. And three, accordingly, Unity had overstated its commercial and or financial prospects for 2022. And four, as a result, uh, defendants' positive statements about the company's business operations and prospects were materially misleading and or lacked a reasonable basis at all relevant times. Questbuster says they're aggressively trying to diversify and improve profitability because Unity surprisingly does not make any profit. They make a lot of revenue, but they don't expect to make money until maybe next year. Uh, And that hurts investors. And that's why it's illegal to injure your investors. DJ Romes says, I should buy some shares of Unity. Hey, it's down right now. I don't know if it's still down. That was back in May. I don't know what the share price is right now. Uh, But... um, I don't even, yeah, this release here does not, oh, uh, yeah, the New York Stock Exchange for it is U, just just the letter U. They, they have a one-letter stock exchange ticker symbol. So if you want to look it up, it's on the New York Stock Exchange U. 
is Unity. $33.54 a share, which is lower than it was back early in May. Uh, because it was uh, looks like it was like at $48 before this drop. Uh, Questbuster says it's way down from a high of $210. Wow. I'm glad I didn't get in on that IPO, huh? I didn't I don't get in on any IPOs really. So um a lot of people are now looking at, you know, where can they go next because like if if uh like the one developer said, if you if the game if the platforms like Apple don't trust Unity to not bundle malware because Apple is big on the privacy thing, uh they may not allow games that are built in Unity on their platform anymore because they don't know what Unity is going to do under the hood. Now, some have said on the other side because I did talk to a developer who uses Unity and has, like, a Unity rep at the company. Uh, a, all that malware stuff was, like, way in the past. It's just, you know, when you make a first impression, uh, like Iron Source did, uh, that's what you remember, even though that malware thing hasn't been done in a couple years. But also, Unity claims to have merged with them to kind of clean up Iron Source's act. I'll believe it when I see it. Mike Def says, uh, I don't do IPOs, but what about IPAs? I... I if I had to choose between investing in an IPO and drinking an IPA, uh, tell me which IPO to invest in because that that seems better. So people are looking at Unreal Engine, which you know you need to know C++. If Unreal Engine started supporting the C Sharp programming language, I think Unity would be done. Uh, but you you do need a really healthy knowledge of C++ development. Uh, you also need to be totally okay with changing the engine itself because uh, it is open source. And so a lot of times if you're making especially a AAA level game, which probably nobody listening to this is, but even independent developers have to go in and change something about the base engine, which is also built in C++ and an assembler. So you have to be comfortable with doing that, whereas in Unity you, you can't, so you don't have to be comfortable. You don't. Unity's not open source, so you can't change the engine, which also gives it some limitations. And Fifth Dream says, I always buy up bad companies to give them a little hand up on the malware thing. It's fine. It's fine. So uh, we are going to take a quick music break, and then we're going to take some calls. Like I said, Orange Lounge Radio is not going to be on tonight, uh, So, and, and I won't be here next weekend. So you get just me tonight. We're going to take a quick music break. If somebody wants to call in about anything going on in the gaming industry, uh, feel free to jump in the green room. Voice chat channel over at the Discord server, vlognetwork.com slash discord. You are participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show here on the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Bobby Blackwell, I choose you. And so I did that whole soliloquy earlier about not wanting to pay 30 bucks for a bumper, and I paid 100 bucks for that one because it was a Kickstarter reward for Video Games Live. But yes, that was the voice of Pokemon choosing me. I don't know if I was supposed to use I'm supposed to use it on podcast, but I am, and they haven't stopped me yet. If you want to leave a bumper, uh, I'm not going to pay you for it. Uh, but uh, if you want to leave a bumper, all you got to do is send me an MP3 of just your voice or a video uh, as well. We Even though we are primarily an audio podcast, we do have a video component. Some of the bumpers have video. That one doesn't. Uh, but uh, if you want to leave a video with just your voice, I will choose which DMCA violation I'm going to risk uh, to put underneath it. Uh, but send that to me. Uh, contact me either on Twitter or on Discord. Uh, there is an email address. You can use bumpers at bobbyblackwolf.com. But really, who uses email? I mean, really. Uh, so 
I'm going to check in the green room, see if anybody's in there. Nobody's in the green room right now. So uh, we do have a little bit of time if there's any open questions in chat as well uh, that we can talk about. Uh, or I could just talk more about, uh, you know, either Southern Fried Gaming Expo or uh, I can riff on E3 and Repop because I didn't talk about that last week because there were other things I wanted to talk about. Uh, but uh, but I think Orange Launch Radio covered it pretty well last week uh, and a lot of the things that I had to think uh, say about uh, the return of E3 2023. And uh, Fifth Dream says uh, he that he uses email. He uses it to send links to himself from my phone to look at later. Uh, what I actually use for that, uh, because really, who uses emails, uh, is uh, because I you know have a software development job. I have Slack, which is essentially the grown up version of Discord, really. Uh, but I have Slack, but I can send messages to myself in Slack. I can actually like click on my name and you know basically store things for myself, and that's what I use to store the links. And Mike Def says, yeah, the tea was definitely spilled on OLR. Essentially, what happened uh, there is, uh, so I've been doing this for a long time. Obviously, I've been doing the podcast for, for 17 years now. And back when I started, podcasts were legitimate media in the gaming space. So, I mean, I was press at E3. Uh, I was press at PAX in the 2000s. Uh, I, I was respected press at PAX, uh, especially in PAX 09. I actually broadcast, or PAX 08. In 2008, I actually broadcast like eight hours from PAX with the full support of the media department. It was great. Uh, we did it over internet radio and everything like that. And uh, it it was a very fruitful relationship back then. And then ReadPop took over PAX in like 2010, 2011, something like that. And ReadPop is a convention company that does, uh, they do like the comic cons and, and the wizards. I, I don't know if they do wizard world, but they do other fan based conventions. That's their bread and butter. Um, uh, and so when they took over, suddenly we were no longer respected press, even though like two years before we had, you know, had eight, eight hours of live broadcast and they bent over backwards and helped us. But when Reed Pop took over the press thing, they're like, ha ha, you're no longer press. E3 still considered us press for a couple more years. And then they finally were like, ha ha, you're an influencer. We don't do influencers here at E3. DJ Rama says Wizard Worlds would sold to Fan Expo. It's a different company. Got it. Uh, so forget I said Wizard World. Uh, I don't know anything about Fan Expo, so I don't want to give that a bad name at all. Uh, but Repop uh, does packs, and I know they, I'm pretty sure they do some of the Comic Dash Cons, which is different from San Diego Comic Con, which has no dash. Don't ask me. I don't get it. Uh, but um, yeah, it's there's that dash makes it legal or and and because San Diego Comic Con is a trademark and they will go after other places for using Comic Con so they have to use Comic Dash Con to get around it and not get sued by San Diego Comic Con. Anyway, uh Reed Pop decided we were no longer uh press even though uh at, at uh PAX 2013 I want to say uh, we were invited to speak on a panel about podcasting. Rob and I uh, speak on a panel about being gaming podcasters. And so we got our hotel and flights and stuff. And then like a couple weeks before the convention, uh, they were like, yeah, we had to like cut some things from the schedule and that panel got cut. And we're like, oh, okay. Well, that sucks. And since we were no longer uh, doing the panel, we no longer had panelist badges. So we're like, that's fine. You know, we'll just apply as press. And we got denied. And we appealed and we got denied again. And I'm, we're all sitting here going, you literally invited us to speak on a panel about being gaming media, yet you're not going to recognize us at gaming media. 
and uh, luckily, we did have a listener uh, who uh, planned ahead uh, for other reasons and bought a bunch of extra badges because it, in order to get an attendee badge, you had to be like super lucky and, you know, get in first 15 minutes because the whole thing sold out in 15 minutes and agreed to sell them to us at face value. Uh, so we were able to go anyway, but I did not take any of my podcasting equipment uh, because they did not want me there as press, so I was not going to be there as press. So Repop is now doing E3. Uh, E3 2023 is going to be run by Repop, and they're going to reimagine it probably more like a convention rather than a trade show. Uh, DJ Rama S says, Repop only cares about media outlets that can get high traffic numbers. Yes, and that's why we no longer got the high traffic numbers. And also, it was really hard to convince people that podcasts got high traffic numbers because there was no readily available tracking source uh, for that. Whereas on YouTube, they can see the number of your subscribers. They can see your views. Twitch, they can see the number of uh, your subscribers, uh, people that are on uh, that, that are following you. Uh, they can't see the number of your subscribers. They can see how many are following you. So they can see your reach. Uh, and you can't really prove that with a podcast because people weren't going to our website to get our podcast. They were using iTunes. And so Alexa would be like, nobody goes to their website. And we're like, of course nobody goes to our website. Uh, Tiger Claw says, so it's going to be E3 and name only. They only paid for the name. Um, no, because ReadPop is running it jointly with the Entertainment Software Association. So they're both running it. It's just ReadPop is bringing their expertise in doing fan conventions to E3, where the ESA is used to doing an industry trade show, which is obviously not what they need to be doing to make money. Um, so it, it's not in name only because they didn't, you know, ReadPop's not running it alone. Um, so maybe they will soon because originally that was the thing with PAX is that they were kind of running it jointly with the Penny Arcade team. Uh, but now it's like it's PAX, you know, yes, it's Penny Arcade Expo, but they don't actually say it's Penny Arcade Expo anymore. It's literally just called PAX, and they don't tell you what it stands for. And the Penny Arcade guys are are guests, and that's about it. It's not their convention anymore. But, uh, yeah, E3 finally told us we were no longer media, but now it's going to be a fan convention. I always said, like, especially early on pre-Read Pop, that uh, PAX in the late 2000s was what people who had never been to E3 thought E3 was like. Uh, now, E3 is going to be what people who never been to E3 before thought E3 was like. Uh, I think it's going to be more of a fan-centered convention, which means that you're going to get the same type of things you see at a PAX. Yes, Nintendo and Sony do exhibit at PAX, but they only show games that are coming out in the next month or two. Whereas at E3, they'll show a game that may be coming out the following year. Because the more, back, especially when it was an industry trade show primarily, uh, people in the industry were a lot more forgiving with what you saw in a demo. Uh, if it was un if it was unfinished, people understood because everybody there was somehow related to the game industry working in it, not just as a consumer. Uh, in the video game industry, uh, the consumers believe they're just as important, if not more important, than the people that actually make the games. That's why the consumers demanded to be part of the industry trade show because they believed they were the industry. Uh, so, you know, once fans were able to allow. And, get in and you could actually buy a consumer pass to E3 the convention the the exhibitors were like okay now we need to retool what we do at E3 because a random person coming up and playing our demo is not going to be as forgiving and not going to be as understanding about the challenges of game development 
as someone who also works in game development. And especially like the media, they were very used to early builds, preview builds, things that are probably buggy, especially if it's a game that's going to be coming out, you know, two years later. Uh, people were very uh, okay with that, and they kind of understood that. Uh, the fans, not so much. If you have a bad demo, uh, even if your game's not coming out in two years, uh, that bad demo uh, is going to stick with you people forever, and they're never going to play your game, even if it can be very good. Hi, new Neil Cooney. How are you doing? And Questbuster said, that I, you know what? Repop should do this. Repop should make this uh, this tagline for them. E3. This isn't your father's E3 anymore. That that should repop should actually make that tagline. Like, I'm sure there are some smart people at repop. I'm not going to say that every single person at repop uh, doesn't know what they're doing. That that actually is genius because that then separates it from what E3 used to be. And I know Questbuster was probably making that as a joke. But honestly, that's actually really good. I, I really like that idea of, of actually separating it from your father's E3. Because, yes, this is not going to be the same uh, E3 that maybe somebody's father went to in the 90s. It's not going to be the same. So I actually like that. And uh, now I'm going to be very disappointed when Repop doesn't do that. I'm still not going to go. But I'm going to be very disappointed if they don't do that because obviously E3 is going to be different. And so that is actually a great way of differentiating the current E3 from the old E3. And I'd be, I'd be, uh, I'd be totally fine with that. ZenMonkey11 says, I sounded like the X-Play announcer. I have history with G4 uh, pre-X-Play, so I never watched uh, X-Play afterwards. And uh, it's kind of interesting. People still come up to me about the old G4 stuff. Because uh, I was involved with G4 in the very, very beginning, i.e. before Tech TV. Yes, G4 existed before Tech TV was merged with him. Uh, and uh, people still want to talk to me about all that and then talk about Attack of the Show and X-Play. And I'm like, that wasn't G4. Tiger Claw says, uh, E3, the next level of entertainment. I actually think they've already used that. I think that's been a tagline of E3. I know E3, there was one tagline a while ago, E3, where business gets fun. That that actually was a tagline of E3. I think in the 2000s was, was that. ZenMonkey11 says, X-Play is dope. I only know Tech TV and G4 Tech TV. I'm a New Yorker. Um, yeah, no, I was... Uh, I, I I remember Tech TV, but it's kind of funny when I was like, yeah, I remember the original G4. And they're like, oh, you mean Tech TV? And I'm like, no, 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 no. G4 existed for two years with all of its own shows before Tech TV came in the picture. And Tech TV existed for like eight years before G4 came in the picture. Like, so Tech TV has a longer history. Uh, but nobody remembers the original G4. And I will tell you, when that merger happened, all the Tech TV people were worried that G4 was going to erase Tech TV's legacy. Turns out it was the other way around. Tech TV erased G4's legacy. And now G4's legacy is essentially Tech TV. DJ Ramos is G says, is G4 still on the air? G4 came back on the air last year or earlier this year. What is time? Uh, but no, very recently, like G4 came back on the air. X-Play is back. Attack of the Show is back. Uh, they are both a linear network, which is cable television, and a streaming, uh, streaming network. So they got stuff on Twitch and stuff, but they are still a linear cable channel. Uh, or Once again, they are a linear cable channel, uh, but you probably don't have them. Like, they're probably not on your cable provider. 
because they're just now bringing back Arena, uh, which was uh, one of the original shows from G4. So before the Tech TV days, uh, and they have like the the WWE wrestler is is doing it uh, and stuff. And then I, I I will say that this is what made me feel old is uh, that uh, or, or this is what you know made me remember that you know people erased original G4 because somebody said OG to the original Arena host and it showed Kevin Pereira and Lee Rareman who were like the hosts introduced in like season four of Arena. I'm like, that's not, that ain't Will Wheaton and Travis Oates, who were the actual OGs uh, of Arena. But people are like, no, no, the OGs were Kevin Pereira and Lee Rareman, uh, American Gladiator Hawk, who uh, unfortunately is no longer with us as of a couple years ago. That is it for me. Uh, I will uh, not be back in two weeks, or next week. I will not be back next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, but I will be back in two weeks. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Vogue Network. Uh, come join us and interact with the show directly. Um, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Bobby Blackwolf. We are also in our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. And uh, come join us there if you can't uh, be here on Sunday nights, which I completely understand. Uh, Sunday nights are a time. Some, you know, a lot of people do things with family. There's other things going on. There's other things on TV at, at that time. I completely understand. Uh, but you being here uh, and you participating or, or lurking, uh, love the lurkers as well. I lurk in a whole lot of Twitch channels. Uh, I, I, that's great. Uh, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I, I don't care. Just tell someone. I know this show is probably not for everybody. But uh, it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet. But we would not be able to make all this work uh, without the chatters who go above and beyond. So you being here is the best. That's really all we ask for. But some people go above and beyond. And we did have a hype train earlier. So I usually try to read uh, people who have followed. And apparently this weekend, I'm even going to go back a little bit further. Uh, and I'm going to say that uh, Dinner for One and Bubble Mouse followed uh, during Southern Fried Gaming Expo. So I believe both of them uh, showed up during uh, one of the panels that I was uh, hosting. And then uh, Mike Deft resubscribed. Rob Roberts resubscribed, uh, saying that uh, he was really just here uh, for that and to highlight the OLR episodes before they auto-delete. Yeah, we have, we have to highlight the episodes in Twitch to, within two weeks or they get deleted forever. Uh, otherwise, I don't think I can stay here for an hour. But I look forward to the podcast. Well, I, I hope the podcast was enjoyable for you whenever you are listening, Rob. Uh, I resubscribed to trigger the hype train because I'm, I'm, I'm like that. Uh, Sean322 cheered 100 bits with some hype. Dark Sakura cheered 200 bits, saying, oh, hi, and also gifted five subs. So Phoenix7726, She-Hulk10, No One Special 77 Drew Nami, and Shima Panic, you got a gift sub from Dark Sakura. Enjoy the emotes and enjoy the video archives where you can actually watch our video podcasts, uh, which are locked to Twitch subscribers only. The audio podcasts are always going to be free. Uh, but the video ones, yeah, you got to be subscribed to our Twitch channel, which if you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Prime Gaming sub uh, per month. And you can use it on Vogue Network and see all those archives. And also, Paleonimea resubscribed with Amazon Prime, with Prime Gaming. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and it's very much appreciated. Thank you so much for all that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I'm going to be uh, heading out now. Stay tuned. Uh, I will be back for the people on the live feed. I will be back after the, after the exit here. Uh, and uh, we're going to raid somebody. So I'm going to hit the button. Uh, take care of yourself. Don't do anything drastic in the next two weeks. I want to see you all here next uh, in two weeks if you want to be here. If you have something else to do, it's totally fine. I, sh- I should hit the button. I should go. Bye. A winner is you.
The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom, although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.